It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome in to another episode of the Take Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield. And with me is my co-host, Stephen O'Rourke. Stephen, it's week 12. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's week 13. What am I doing? We just wrapped up week 12, the the infamous Thanksgiving week. Steve, how are you feeling in week 13? Feeling good. Um, You can really feel the playoffs coming here. I mean, college football, what, championship week is this upcoming week? So that's coming to a finish up until, you know, we get to the college football playoff. Playoff race is starting to heat up in the NFL, mainly in the AFC, not so much in the NFC. The NFC is a race, a race to see who can whose wheels don't fall off um, that fast. But yeah, it's it's awesome. It's exciting. I mean, a lot of we're starting to see some teams kind of figure themselves out, and others who have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> There's a lot of have I have no idea what they're doing going on right now in, in the NFL. A lot. Um, the, actually, you know what? I'm going to throw you a curveball. We didn't talk about this pre-show at all, but maybe we should be talking about this more. How many head coaching vacancies do you think there's going to be when it's all said and done? Because I think oh, we can get to eight. Boy. You could probably get like, let's, you could, I mean, you could say the Giants potentially. It's on the table. On the table. The Raiders is already. Raiders and Panthers already. Yep. Bears are very possible. Chargers. Yeah. That's a yep. given. Patriots. I mean, I think it's a. I mean, it's a non-zero chance. It's higher than zero. Um, Jets are probably safe. Washington. Washington, I think, if they finish out the season poorly. That could be bad. I mean, not the Buccaneers. Would the Buccaneers be in play? Yeah, I, I think Bulls is for sure hot. I was going to say, you think that, that that's a hot seat? So that's, I mean, I already lost count. I mean, the Falcons, if they stumble down the stretch, maybe. Yeah, it's, Arthur's coaching like he thinks he's safe, so <laughs> – I think he does that. I think he would do that no matter the situation. He's, he's It's his ship, and he's going down with it no matter what. He's a good captain. Exactly. So that's what? One, two, three, four. Like at nine possible, I think. Five, six. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this could be a real ugly offseason for head coaches and just a big boom for, you know, potential head coaching candidates. Because it doesn't feel like they're like uh, in previous years. I feel like there's a bigger pool of guys that you know that are vying for head coaching yeah. spots, just because it's a lot of retreads that kind of are in coordinator positions. I don't feel like we're really there as much this year. It would be a lot of new, new talent, new faces, new head coaching candidates that would um, come up into the ranks. So, it, except it for. Fun. The Carolina Panthers, what are they going to do? They're not going to get some young hot shot to come there. Not anymore. Um, <laughs> they're going to. I think Ben Johnson already presumably told them no last year with the circumstances they were in. Now, 
You've got you're staring on the barrel of a busted one overall pick. You don't have any draft capital this year. That's a really unattractive situation and presumably uh, a overbearing owner. And I don't care what anybody says. There's no way that entire room was unified in their pick of Bryce Young. I think that's hogwash. Yeah, and I mean that that seems to be the news of the day is Tepper's conference press conference about yeah. this whole entire thing and how he kind of just did 15 minutes of saying absolutely nothing. Oh, and the fact that everyone is running with the, Oh, the Panthers were united. That just tells me that they weren't <laughs> like I mean, you're, so, you're selling it too hard, you know? Well, and that's, that's, and I hate to get down this rabbit hole too much because grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter this year right now, but he comes out and he's like, yeah, we were thinking about trading down for number two. Cause we thought that yes. Houston would take, Bryce at number one and we would take CJ at number two. But we were all united. (laughs) How does that make any sense? How does that make any sense? Yes. Why not? I mean, if somehow Stroud's the guy that you're like targeting in that, in that scenario, if you're trying to get more draft capital and you're still trying to target CJ Stroud, why would you not take him with the number one pick? Correct. Why would the, why would your, why would you be swayed? off of taking him with the number one pick if you're very comfortable taking him with the number two pick there's nothing you, that is the i don't that just feels like such bad malpractice of like oh 100 percent with your coaches and your scouts and every all the work that goes into the nfl draft and you yeah. know these decision making to put to even put this story out there but then to stand by it furthermore is, steve if you if you were unified quote unquote and Bryce Young being your guy, why would you trade back to two? That's yeah. Right. <laughs> or why would you or even let's say it's not trade back. Let's say it was trade up to two instead of one. Why I don't know. That the fact that that was even a conversation he willingly brought that up was weird to me. I, um, and then you have all the smoke with Josh McCown and CJ Stroud. Remember everyone thought Stroud was going to the Panthers because McCown and his relationship. Yes. And then, Oh, oddly enough, McCown is one of the guys that gets fired. Which for, who, for why, mean, for what? why right now? Also, yeah. Also bizarre that the interim head coach was making, per, was making like coaching decisions. It wasn't, I mean, Maybe that's the right way to go, and maybe it's just clean house. But like, you mean personal? Yeah, yeah. But they didn't all go out together. Reich was fired, and then the interim stepped in, and then he fired the offensive coaches. Which again, super bizarre. If you're going to clean house, just get fired mid-season, especially when the head coach goes down. Usually, it's like, cool, we'll keep the like. Yeah, maybe at the end of the year, you're relieved of your duties now because there's a new coach coming in. But to do that right now, and the manner in which it was done suggests a rift within the organization yeah but i don't know we don't need to that's just speculate carolina's in a brutal spot going forward i mean i brutal. don't i don't envy their fans i don't envy what the, i don't envy the decisions they're i don't even know if it's going to be a decision this offseason it's just going to be who they can get in there you know what and i would do god's, godspeed to the person that takes that job well it's going to have to be a guy who Maybe similar to even Frank Reich, where I didn't think Frank Reich necessarily deserved a second chance that quickly, at least. Um, but a guy who had a shot and failed miserably and now is going to need a second chance who probably wouldn't otherwise get one and except a team is desperate. And mm-hmm. the guy I think would be a good spot, it'd be a good spot for him, is Vic Fangio. 
I don't think Vic's getting a premium job. I think his tenure no. was pretty gross. He rested his laurels on on Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. He's yeah. doing what Arthur Smith is doing in Atlanta, basically. Yeah. Um, and he rolled the dice with that and as his, you know, one and only coaching chance. I think this might be a spot or another opportunity for him because or a guy like that. I shouldn't say just him, but a guy like that where maybe, you know, he had a, he had a shot as a head coach, didn't go well and maybe deserves another shot because he is a freaking defensive mastermind. So, yes. But. And I mean, you're seeing the Fangio influence more now in the NFL than I think you've ever seen before. Oh yeah, with, uh, the way teams are covered are running coverage coverage schemes and everything. Yep. I just want I just wonder if you need to get an offensive mind coach minded coach in there, and if that's even. But I don't know if that's a possibility, and it would have to be a retread. And I think more than ever with the way that like Reich went, I think that teams teams owners smart teams and smart owners are going to be a little bit more wary of bringing in an older retread offensive coach. I think now more than ever, you're going to see the big shift to if an offensive coach gets hired, it's a new face, a new name from one sure. of the, your well-known trees. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, all right. Well, we didn't anticipate spending any time talking about that. So um, we did want to jump into real quickly before we're going to do some previews of some good games coming up this week, but we want to talk briefly about some guys that we think may have earned themselves a little extra payday this offseason. Expiring contracts of of mostly rookie contract guys that yeah. are just cleaning it up. Um, there's three on Baltimore, Steve. I want to start with these three specifically because I think there's a, a secondary discussion to be had. And that's safety Geno Stone, linebacker Patrick Queen, and defensive line. I'll just call him a D-lineman because he kind of does a lot of different things. Justin Madden-Weekly. Yeah. Um, of those three, I think Matabuike is probably the safest bet to change teams and be successful. Yes. I, I am concerned that I, I do think Geno Stone and both Patrick Queen will get paid this offseason. I think especially Stone, he kind of came out of nowhere and he's just he's been awesome. Blown, uh, I mean, blown up. Yeah. Patrick Queen was uh, an unmitigated d- disaster until um, Brokon Smith got there to play next to him. Now, you could make the argument there was a developmental curve needed, which we saw in his college tape, and eventually he got he would have got there with or without Roquan. I think whatever team signs him, if it's not Baltimore, will have to make that argument within their staff. But I think because of the nature of what Baltimore does, are you a little concerned that those guys change teams and flop? I'm most concerned with uh, Patrick Queen. Yeah. And it's nothing against Patrick Queen as a player. I just think that you need a – smart and just kind of had a unique scheme to really get the most out of him. Like I don't like, he's not a guy that I think that you want to just sit as a nickelbacker as a middle linebacker and just play a base nickel base four three defense. The way right. that Baltimore gets the most out of him is they give him an assignment and they, you know, they blitz him a lot. They mug him up a lot. It's a lot of unique assignments, I think for him and yep. the, just the ability of having Roquan Smith, someone who is a sideline to sideline guy and can kind of handle a little bit more as a linebacker and handle a little bit more responsibility is where you get the value out of Patrick Queen. And there aren't a ton of teams that have that type of that that type of steadying force, I guess, is the way I'd put it. And Roquan Smith to pair with um, Patrick sure. Queen, because I think that's what you would need. And so Patrick Queen would be, the, like I said, would be the guy that 
out of all of them, I'd be most concerned about. Yeah. And, but sorry, go ahead. I was just going to schematically to your point, like the Ravens basically have like four, four or five linebacker types on the field at all times. And right. all of those guys are capable of rushing passer or dropping into coverage. Now they do it from their traditional alignment. So Kyle Van Noy is not playing Mike, but right. he is a guy who they trust in coverage at times. Right. Um, who's uh, Clowney? Clowney's the other one, right? Yeah, they have Clowney. Yeah, Clowney, they'll drop in coverage. They have another one too. I'm not even. I think I they sell even. Bowser, right? Who's plays in there? So and then OA too. Yep, OA. All those guys, they will drop them in coverage. Roquan's great in coverage. Um, Queen. So what that allows them to do though is just say. You know what is Queen's blitz rate? It's insane this year, right? It's like, oh, I'm. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's I think certain. for an off-ball linebacker, he's got to be near the top of the league in pass rush snaps because he's right. He's getting after it a lot, and they'll they'll drop a guy off. Steve has a timer going off live on the podcast. Whoops, it's incredible. This is no biggie that happens. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's why I'm concerned. I, there's not going to be a lot of uh, schemes that really set Patrick Queen up for success. You know what would be fun though? I know Devin White's also a free agent. I feel like Devin White could do what Patrick Queen does, but better. <laughs> so I, I'd love to see Devin White in a Baltimore uniform. He could do it like, yeah, just because of his 5% speed boost that he has on Patrick yeah. Queen, it would make them 5% a little more better, physical but... too. So if he runs into a back or something, he's just going to go right through him. I mean, we right. saw it in Bulls' system. That's a blitz-happy system. White, yeah. has, That's really the only thing he does well for, for the Bulls' system is rush passer. So, um I, it's kind of funny. I'd love to see a little switch there, but there's not a lot of schemes. I feel like that's going to favor Patrick Queen the way the Baltimore scheme does. No, and no, it's in. It's just that they they stunt a ton. They yep. bring guys from different places every single snap. It's why they're so effective at their like sack percentage. It's why they're effective with their pressure rate. And you know when they send it, they get home. And I like yeah, Matabuke. I think. He could probably ju- he he probably could jump into most I mean, defenses and he's excel. He's, yeah, he is a thumper right now, and he's making it happen. Geno Stone, I think, could excel in other places. I don't know how much I don't know how much responsibility and how much you know people I, like. That's a, it's the weird thing with safety interceptions. I feel like they come and go. It happens. Like yeah. it's a lot of interception luck to have safety to have like you know the high numbers as a safety with interceptions. But I think that Geno Stone is good at being where he needs to be, yep. and I think that that can transcend through a lot of different schemes. I think he operates best in a too high scheme. Oh, for where, sure. You know, I don't think he's he's not always the guy you want to walk up and like, if you're running a cover three, like a single high scheme, I don't know if he's the guy that you want to come up into the box super often. Yeah. But if he can go to, you know, a Fangio type scheme, I think he can still excel and play really well. Yeah. And he, that was his, the, you know, the scouting report on him coming out too. He played in Iowa. They run, you know, mostly too high type stuff. And yeah, he was a split safety, split field safety then. And he is now, um, I th- yeah, I think he could excel in any Fangio scheme for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, let's hit these other three really quickly. Uh, Jalen Johnson, corner from Chicago. Dude, when he's on the field, looks like a, a legit lockdown corner. Like Patrick's yes. pain level, 
I we can play man coverage as much as we want. We can drop and play zone too. He's good at both. He looks awesome. Um, injuries the last couple of years have been concerning, but it, nothing egregiously bad. Just ding, you know, nicks and bruises. So I think uh, I think he gets absolutely paid this offseason. Probably by the Bears, by the way. <laughs> I mean, they should. They should. It's yeah. now's the time to start. You know whether you're sticking with Justin Fields or whether you're drafting a quarterback, whatever it is, now's the time to start investing in guys that are going to push you into the next chapter of whatever this team is or whatever it's going to be. So I think that they'd be dumb to let him go truly, but I think that he probably, you're, you're probably right. I think he does stay in. Well, they have so much gap space. It's just going to, it's going to be hard for them to justify letting them walk. So. Another guy that we didn't touch on that Bryce Huff is making, but has made himself a ton of money this year. Yeah, they got a couple guys probably. Yeah, Huff is LA or Vegas, right? Uh, Jets. Jets. Duh. Oh my. Yep. God. I, I, oh, I was thinking of Amik Robertson, <laughs> who's made himself a good amount of money. Yeah, also has as well. Been, didn't make the pre-show list, but also has made himself some money. It's funny. We, we were struggling to make the list pre-show, and now live on air here, we're just coming up with extra guys. It's um, linebackers are a spot right now. Yeah. Scoop up some fat. Like, there's a lot of decent free agents coming up in linebackers. I mean, Jordan Brooks in Seattle. I just don't believe in paying linebackers, but yeah. that's And that's, you know, the <laughs> issue. I think we had this – this type of thing with running backs recently too, where you were like, look, there's yeah. a ton of talent out there. You can go and get anyone, but it's like, yeah, you don't really want to pay any of them. No, at least with some of the, I mean, I haven't as, you know, I haven't pulled up as a linebacker as a group. So there's some edge guys in there, you know, different value, different guys. But I think you're starting yeah. to see that surplus of talent at linebacker where it's like, okay, do you pony up and pay them? And hope they right. can be what they are, where they are currently in your system, or do you keep working with the guys just because there are so many responsibilities at, at, uh, with being a linebacker, especially like you know an in, inside linebacker, you know nickel linebacker. There's a lot of responsibility. You'd rather keep con- continuity within your system and have those guys who know the calls, and you know usually at the green dot guy is one of those people. Yeah. Do you keep them in? as and just yeah go go the continuity route instead of trying to bring in new blood and switch it up for sure there's also an interesting developmental curve with linebackers to the nfl it seems this used to not be true by the way linebackers were often perceived as plug and play type players yeah it's taken like the new breed of linebacker it takes them a while i think it's it's we've talked about this before it's the hard one of the hardest positions to play in the league and this is why i don't like paying these guys because it doesn't matter how good they are. I should say it doesn't matter. It, usually it doesn't matter because you can still make them lose just by – like because you, you can put them in situations where they're not right. Right. With the, with the way RPOs are, personnel, formations, alignments, motions, there's so many ways to exploit linebackers, even the best ones, that the they don't really move the needle as far as team building goes to uh, at a certain point. You need you need a good player, a consistent player, a green dot guy, a leader type guy. But beyond that, the jump from what he brings to the table to what like an elite linebacker brings to the table, it really isn't that much unless that linebacker is elite in coverage, like a Fred Warner. Yep. 
you just and we've gone over the list before there's just the hand a handful of guys that are true needle movers at that position um yeah. you don't again you don't want guys that suck you don't want guys that um you know can't communicate defense to your team but at the same time it's like like uh chicago for example they way overpaid for both the guys that got this year um tremaine edmonds and the other ones tj edwards tj edwards like way overpaid for both those guys and tj edwards the guy that you paid the lesser of the two has probably been i mean he's been outperforming edmonds he's looked like the guy that you wanted him to be yeah, yeah. The, I think what they signed him for three years, eighteen million. I think it came out to about the six million a year. Same deal as Anzalone, I think. Yeah. And then the admins, they played, they paid more, a little bit, like truck a bit more, twenty yeah. million. A year. Yeah. And that's where you know sometimes it just you never know who's gonna, or you know you kind of do sometimes know, but like with that, you probably would have predicted admins to be the guy that would have played better, worked out better, but Edwards seems to have picked up the system a lot better. Seems to. He's taken a little bit of a step in pass coverage, and he's you know playing well. I think he's kind of lucked himself, lucked his way into a couple interceptions. But it's just again a part of being in the right spot at the right time. Right. But Ed- Edmonds has been okay. Definitely not worth the contract that they paid him though. Yeah. Which I said at the time it was a terrible contract. But yeah. Um. Let's do one more before we jump into some previews here. Let's do Michael Pittman Jr. The USC standout playing for the Indianapolis Colts. Now he hasn't been bad by any means as a on his rookie contract, but he has definitely taken a step forward this year. It seems, despite a lot of adversity too, the quarterback situation once again been up and down, going from Richardson to Minshew. Now I think both those guys are improvements over what he's had to work with over the last couple of years. However, just the continuity aspect is tough when you're. How many quarterbacks has Pittman now played with in his career? He's played with what? Rivers, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Anthony Richardson, and Gardner Minshew. And then yeah. that's not to mention any backups in between because of injury, like Sam Ellinger and guys yeah. like that. Like he's literally yeah. played with a, a ton of quarterbacks. Continuity yeah. has not been there. Yet he just keeps getting better and better. And a lot of the things I saw in, when I when I initially scouted him are coming to fruition. Uh, this year like really good after the catch detail-oriented guy all those usc receivers and that cluster of players that came out whether it was Pittman, amon ra or drake london real detail-oriented guys coach coach kind of you know love these players really good in the run game as a blocker you know he can do design touches he can win downfield great on scramble drill i think Pittman's made himself some money there yeah Uh, phenomenal on scramble drill just knows how to work with his quarterback they have an innate connection um, but he's he's balling right now, and I, I think he's going to get paid. I think so, too. He's got his catch radius, which was talked about going into the draft. It yeah. see, I mean, it seems to have gotten bigger somehow, which he, like, you know, didn't think that was possible. But, yeah, he's the kind of the straw that stirs the drink of the Indianapolis receivers. He's the he's consistent. He's. You never worry about him being in the wrong spot. Never worry about him, you know, taking plays off, which, you know, Indy hasn't been – this is the first year they've really been competitive since the Carson Wentz year, and even that they fell down the stretch. But I think what you're seeing the most with Pittman is that you're seeing a little bit more diversity in his route tree and in the routes that he's targeted at. I think the first couple of years a lot of what he was doing was, you know, a lot of slants, a lot of – short in breaking routes and he started to, he, 
he up a lot of hitches and he, you know, listen, he still has 23 targets on hitches and it's, a lot of his work does come in with some RPO stuff just because that's what their offense is based in. But I think that he's shown that you could put him into a more complex offense. I don't like, I don't know. It's, it's not fair to say to their scheme, but I think with Gardner Minshew, they know what they have in him and he's a, he's a good RPO quarterback. That's where he excels and, don't give him too much time to overthink things. And I think that I, but I think you could throw Michael Pittman into a different scheme and have him run the full, full route tree. And he wins in a lot of, on a lot of routes. So I think that really he's kind of, he is realizing a lot of his full potential of what we thought he could be coming out of college. Yep. Agreed. All right. So let's, uh, as I say, name, name a team that you'd want to see him on. Other than the Colts? Yep. If he were to leave the Colts, which I don't think will happen, but it's a possibility. Um, let's see. Maybe uh, maybe the Cardinals. That'd be a good one. Yeah, although they kind of have him in Michael Wilson Jr. They're very similar players. True. Um, I'd like to say, I mean, Kansas City would be one that if they could make him, if they could make that happen, I think he would be the perfect steadying force of amidst a volatile group that if they could, if they could find and shell out the money, which would be tough to do, but I think that that'd be an awesome spot for him. Yeah, that would be. Um, I think green Bay would be a nice spot too. Yep. Um, they don't necessarily need him. They got a, a lot of young guys that are finally starting to play well. But uh, I mean, Carolina could use him. Honestly, Carolina would be a great spot. Yep, not necessarily for him, but for them. Yeah, we don't know what kind of offense they'll be running next year, but presumably right. he would work. Jacksonville would be a good spot. I think him and Christian Kirk would really pair nice together. Um, yeah, Kirk Ridley. Would- Ridley's a free agent coming up this year. Ridley's a free agent. I think he's been a little disappointing as far. I think he's fine. He's, he's still a good player, but I don't think he's as good as they were hoping he was going to be. Yeah. I think Pittman would give them like a true wide receiver one. Yeah. Volume. You know, he's he's almost like Ridley and Zay Jones combined into one guy. <laughs> yeah. A guy who can work the boundary as well as work over the middle. Yep. Which Red zone to... threat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's Let's move on. Let's uh let's jump into some previews, Steve. We're gonna we've got like you know twenty ish minutes left. I want to hit a few games. Yeah, I want to start with Thursday night's game. I think yeah. this is one of the rare Thursday night W's. I'm actually gonna sit down and watch this game, Steve. So that's <laughs> two in a row for Thursday night. If you I mean if you rule out Thanksgiving and then put the actual mm-hmm. Thursday night because the week prior it was Baltimore Cincinnati, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, which well, that turned into yeah. Everything that it was injury, but yeah, Seattle. (laughs) Seattle travels to Dallas this week. That's our Thursday night game. Massive playoff implications. Seattle's wavered of late. They were what six and two at one point. Is that true? Yeah, and they six and two, six and three. They were leading, tied, tied for the lead, leading the division. And they they've lost back to back games, right? Yeah. Cowboys playing their best football probably in. I don't want to be tongue in cheek here, but. I would say five years, at least what I yeah, see. I, mean, I like. I was going to say a decade. Yeah. Yeah. There were some Romo teams that were really freaking good. They just didn't get it done. They um, weren't right. 
but probably the best of the Dak Prescott era, I would say. Yeah. Um, and their record doesn't even really show that because I think they're probably better than eight and three right now. Um, Chris Wack's going to get super mad listening to this podcast because he hates the Cowboys. Um, but Dak is balling out and there's there's no more denying it. You know, there was a few weeks where it was like, oh, cool. It's a small sample, but he's he's back. He looks great. Um, they've finally figured out how to integrate Brandon Cooks into the offense. Tony Pollard's getting rolling. I got some fun stats for you, Steve. Since or so the last four weeks, Tony Pollard ranks first in explosive run rate, third in force missed tackles, and second in yards after contact per attempt. He is wow. back to what he was last year, where you know he was just a, he was a menace with the ball in his hands. And I they they finally got him going. The offensive line is exceeding expectations. Tyron Smith looks back. Terrence Steele's playing really good. Zach Martin's still a Hall of Fame right guard. Yep. Um, I mean. They uh, Tyler Smith at left guard looks awesome too. I mean, they are they are rolling right now. Defense, obviously, Deron Bland, Micah Parsons, both having defensive player of the year caliber seasons. It's just insane how good this team is. We said it before the season, Steve. I don't know if you remember. We said that this was easily a top three roster in the NFL, top to bottom. Yeah, I picked him everything with hinge on Dak Prescott, and he's playing great. Yeah, I mean, he's playing at a level that I think he's had in him and you've seen him play in for play at for right just not since the injuries though not since the injuries and not this not for this long of a period of time where you haven't the last i mean the last four weeks you haven't seen those hiccups in his game you haven't seen you know like this late in the year last year what was that you start you started to see some a little bit of loss in velocity with his arm it was it was it was yeah. crazy. But now, I mean, he looks completely in control of the offense. I mean, he, they are operating on that every cylinder. They can't miss at this point. And, yeah, I think you're starting to see him in, integrate some of those second-tier weapons that have value that aren't necessarily starters, but they've, they've found the value for those guys. Rico Dottle's starting to get a little bit more burn, and he's showing effectiveness when he gets in. Um, you're Jake seeing Ferguson. This, Jake Ferguson is opening up the middle of that pat, the middle of that the field for Dak Prescott, and is opening up things for CD Lamb and Brandon Cooks. Um, really, the only guy that's not doing a ton is Michael Gallup, but they haven't even really needed him because you know yep. they're you know they're also throwing in design touches for um, Turpin Turpin. that have proven effective. And it's just, that's what happens when you start to find your groove as an offense. I think you do start to integrate those guys that, you know, you can get manufactured touches and get big plays out of just because you're not trying to force the basics and you're able to kind of branch out a little bit. And I, you know, I, They've been beating teams up, so you haven't really been able to pick on McCarthy. But I think McCarthy's been doing the best job of his career since the early days of um, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I think you're starting to see a little bit of innovation from him, or not even really innovation, just effectiveness from him, where you thought he was going to be the kind of the Achilles heel of this team for a while. I mean, Dak Prescott's leading the NFL in completion percentage over expected at 5.9 percent um and that's on an dot of 8.5 which is 10th in it's the real nfl solid, real solid so it's like then the, the guys ahead of him are 
and ADOT are basically nobody except for Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, who are all who are both at eight point six. Yeah. And boy, he just he knows what he's doing. He's not trying to operate outside of himself. He's not trying to do too much. He's just taking care of business and getting it to the guys that can make plays. Yeah. Um, Jalen Tolbert too. He's got 18 targets the last four games. I mean, he's averaging four and a half targets a game the last four weeks. They're getting him involved. Gallup's losing playing time. This, this offensive skill player makeup, it reminds me a lot of the Detroit lions where you see you have CD and Amon Ra who are very similar players. I mean, CD is yeah. probably a titch more explosive than Amon Ra, but probably. as far as how they're used and what they do, very similar. I mean, slot mostly guys that can play outside if they need to. Yeah. Um, and then Brandon Cooks and Jameson Williams have some overlap and skill set. Um, and then Gallup and Josh Reynolds are eerily similar. <laughs> um, Kevante Turpin is like their Caliph Raymond. I mean, it's it's actually kind of crazy. Like, there's a lot of parallels. Ferguson's obviously not as good as Laporta, but you know, um, and then and then the Lions have the the better running back combo as well with with Gibbs and Montgomery. But they're very similar. I would say even some of their play calling and play designs are similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, good offensive lines as well. Very similarly constructed. Um, I think Detroit's got a slightly better skill group. But uh, Dallas makes up for that on defense because I think they got a, a good defense. Yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about defense. Dallas, though. What do you, what do you think Seattle brings to this game? It isn't Dallas, unfortunately, for Seattle. They've not been good away from home. Um, for Seattle, it's just about riding the ship, and it's on offense. Their defense has played fine over the last couple of weeks. They've had they did have to yeah, bench true. they had to bench Tariq Woolen, and that you know I think that's a a fall from grace for him. And they're trying to figure out that back end a little bit, but you know, overall the, the defense has played well. It's just, this offense has been wildly inconsistent and it, you know, it's, it starts from the fact that their boom, but their boomer bust run game continues to be boomer bust. And a lot lately it's been more bust than boom. And if you're seeing like, I mean, to the point where Charbonnet is out snapping Kenneth Walker now, Walker's I mean, also they, hurt right now, but yeah. But yeah, and it, you know, it's, I I think they were starting to move that way even before he got hurt, though. The run game stuff is so frustrating, Steve, because like Gino's not playing well right now, and I'm not oh, giving no. him, I'm not giving him a, a free pass. But no. when you are constantly in third and ten and third and eight and third and nine because you ran twice on first and second down for a combined total of zero to two yards, yeah, you're not doing your quarterback any favors and if they they have that mentality going to play dallas and it it sucks because dallas is a team you can run on but i gotta see more early down passing from seattle like they i have to see it because michael parsons is going to rip gino's head off if if they get third like predictable third and longs like they have been it's been been rough for them on offense yeah and it's i mean they're not yeah, they just you're starting to see uh, JSN is kind of is taking over as leading in targets, and that's just because teams are focusing on Lockett and Metcalf, and it just their offense looks disjointed the last couple. And it even before they started on this mini losing streak a little bit, it, you could see the bits and pieces of the dysfunction on offense or the lack yeah. of consistency. It's just that they were winning now the cracks are starting to show and the losses are starting to pile up a little bit. I don't know 
how they beat Dallas in this game. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that this is like, easy up for Dallas. I think so too. Unless, like you said, unless they flip the script and they go early down passing and they switch things up, which listen, Pete Carroll's not one to do that too often. I think that this could be an ugly game for Seattle. Yeah. One thing I want to note about this game too. Um, typically on Thursday nights, you get really sloppy football games because it's a short week for everybody. Both these yep. teams played last Thanksgiving though. So they, yes. they have had a normal week of preparation um, minus probably taking a little time off for family. But um, I think this could, this could lead to maybe a, a better game than normal on Thursday night, just because, you know, no crazy circumstances here. So, so it would be nice. Right. Sweet. So you're taking Cowboys to win. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. I want to do, I'm going to preview one more game, Steve. Yep. And then I'm going to throw another curveball at you after that. All right. Um, so let's go 49ers travel to Philadelphia in what is likely a battle for the one seed here or one of the battles. Eagles have a two game lead over the Lions in the 49ers right now. Yep. They could pretty much bury it right here with a win. Um, yep. It, not for not mathematically, but it, you know, it'd be hard to come back from for the 49ers or Lions. If the Eagles, well, the 49ers, because the Eagles would go up, what, four games on them. Yeah. They, they so uh, this is the game of the week, though, by far. Easily the best game on the slate. Yeah. Real challenging to figure out. I'm trying to throw out last year's playoff game out of my mind. It's hard to, though. Yeah. Eagles haven't really ran the ball that well this year. I think Hertz is Hurts, he's a little banged up, and it's limited their QB run game, which in turn has slowed down their their running back run game. So um, I don't know that that's an angle they can exploit as much as they normally would. What do you think? I think they can. You do? I Yeah, I think that it's a lot more of just take Jalen Hurts out of the running game a little bit. I mean, like just hand it off to Swift downhill, get it to the running backs up the middle and just let them go downhill instead of, you know, incorporating Hertz as much. I think that he has his utility in places. Obviously, if you get a good look, like the you know the game winning play and things like that, where you know it'd be stupid not to run Hertz, then by all means go ahead. But I think that just get the running backs going downhill, take out a little bit, like you know, take away a little bit of the RPO stuff, and just have that offensive line working downhill at full speed. And I think that that could lead to a little bit better days in the run game because that's, I think, where you need to beat San Francisco. I think you have to be able to get the, I think you have to be able to run up the middle on them. Yeah, I agree with that. They, um, I feel like San Francisco has been better late against the run. Like they completely shut down Seattle, for example, the other day, which sometimes Seattle shuts themselves down. So that's not <laughs> a huge accomplishment. But, um, yeah, it's still shutting someone down. It's still shutting someone down. Yeah, I think that's a that's a big factor. The other factor is is San Francisco. They're uh they're O line. Do you think it can hold up against the Eagles' pass rush? And I think that's the question of the game, really. Because I because with the Eagles' offense, I think that it's one of those things where it's it's inevitable. You, I mean, you saw it against Kansas City. You saw it against Buffalo. You've seen it almost every game this year where we 
we complain, we bitch, we talk about the play calling, and it is true. It it does cause issues definitively. Yet they still get to 24, 28, 31 points. So I think that Philly, you can book them for tw- I think you can book them for 24 points. Just slap it on the board right now and plus or minus depending on if they get a big play or not, but we'll put them at a baseline of 24. The real question is can Brock Purdy and that offense withstand the pressure and put up that same amount of points because I you're not going to I don't think you're going to run the ball as much with McCaffrey against the Eagles. I think that it's going to have to come down to being able to throw against them because that's where their weaknesses kind of lie. You can move the ball. You can move the ball down the field, uh, passing the ball against this defense if you give your quarterback time. I just don't know if they can hold up on the edges against these guys. Yeah, or interior, interior too. True. Carter, I think this could be a really big spot for Carter. Um, yeah, I'm, so the other – for me, this comes down to that – and then on the other side of the ball, Philadelphia's pass protection. What we've seen this year, and I hate to beat a dead horse because I've mentioned it nine times, when San Francisco comes up against a team with good offensive tackles, mm-hmm. they cannot stop the pass. It's it's crazy. When, yeah. those, when those pass rushers can't get home, they get thrown on. That that secondary is not very good this year. Or I should say not as good as it's been. And I think A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith could have huge days if the Eagles pass rush is up for, to the task. Yeah, and it's interesting. You've seen some holes in the, in their pass protection the last couple of weeks. I think that at least from my anecdotally watching the games, Hertz has been under more pressure these last two weeks than he had previously. Well, I should say the first half of the Kansas City game and then filtered throughout this game against against Buffalo. He's been under more pressure than you're that I'm used to seeing him under. And I think who did, didn't they have, they had an offensive lineman out last week, didn't they? Wasn't late Lane Johnson. Well, Lane, out. Lane is banged up right now. He's yeah. Hurt, so. so then that's, you know, and it, that's going to happen when you have one of your best tackles dinged up. But I think that it comes, it, it comes down to the pass protection for Philly. And I think, I think it's going to hold up. I think, there's there's an especial there's a special amount of uh, hate right now between these two teams. If, you've, if you if you've been seeing some of the lead up with Debo and some of these other guys, especially the San Fran side, saying that you know their win against them was basically fraudulent, it didn't mean anything. They're going to come in and kick their asses. I think that Philly responds to that type of stuff even more than normal. And so I think I yeah. think I think Philly ends up winning a close game. I think it'll be, you know, like a 24-21. It's just and I because I think that Philly, possibly Darius Slay or someone can take advantage of one of the Brock Purdy hiccups that's bound to happen against a good defense. Right. Crazy stat for you, Steve. Um, since week six. The, both of these teams, both of these quarterbacks rank inside the top five in pre, uh, pressure dropbacks percentage. Mm-hmm. San Francisco's third at a rate of 40.1%. So that O-line is not protecting Purdy the way they want. Yeah. Philadelphia is fourth, or Hertz is fourth at a, with a rate of 40%. Now, what's crazy, though, is Hertz is a little more self-induced. He does hold the ball a lot longer than Purdy. His, yeah. his average time to throw in that span is 2.85 seconds, which also oh, is yeah. it's second in the league. Wow. 
so their time to pressure though is still uh reasonable you know it's still you know i would say top i think it's top right at the end of top 12 like 12th in the league so yeah you think you know some of the pressure hurts gets is definitely self-induced but to your point they haven't been as good weeks one through six that pressure rate was down at like 31 percent. so i mean that's what was killing them against kansas city in the first half the yeah. um, the other week they were getting absolutely burned up front i mean that's why chris jones had what three sacks yep but then you saw him kind of turn it around and that's how they were able to mount the comeback is that they shored things up a little bit they started i think really focusing double teams on chris jones and having everybody else go one-on-one and that's where they started winning um on downs they again i don't want to beat a dead horse because i know we've (laughs) talked about it but it is really relevant brian johnson's scheme the way he designs plays he puts so much on jalen hurt's shoulders to deal with blitz all the all of their answers for being hot rest on jalen jalen hurts to escape pressure there is no they're not building in hot reads there's no check downs it's really frustrating to watch sometimes because there's so many plays where he gets blitzed and he just has no choice but to bail and try to make something happen, which he takes a lot of hits because of it. Just a lot of, you know, dead plays because of it as well. So yeah, um, that, that is definitely relevant in the end, Steve, who are you taking in this game? I'm taking Philly, especially now that I see the last six weeks that San Fran's given up four and a half yards per carry on zone concept runs. Yeah. That's interesting. And I think that that's with the Seattle game included and they were, you know, Seattle was bad. So you don't get, I mean, you don't get to see San Fran's run defense often. And I think that you're going to see it more. They're going to have to play that more than they've played it all year, just because, you know, so often San Fran, San Fran jumps out to a lead. Not a lot of teams are scared to get scared to run against them. I think sometimes Philly's not going to be afraid to run it. I think they win this game. I think Deandre Swift goes over like a hundred yards. I think, I think that, it's going to be a ball control. I think Philly's going to win with ball control. I don't think it's going to be. I think they take a couple shots deep as their one to do, but I think they really just grind down San Fran and kind of just beat them to a pulp. But I think it'll be. I think it'll be a good game. But I think Philly ends up winning out. Awesome. I agree. I'm picking Philly in this game. Um, but before we get off, so we we, are, we do got to go, but. I'm going to speed round you. We're going to go through the rest of the games. I don't want any commentary. I just want you to pick the winner. Yep. Deal. Broncos at Texans. Broncos. (laughs) Started with the hardest one. Yeah. You're going Broncos. Okay. Chargers at Patriots. (laughs) Chargers. Lions at Saints. Lions. Falcons at Jets. Jets. Cardinals at Steelers. Steelers. Colts at Titans. Titans. Dolphins at Commanders. Dolphins. Panthers at Bucks. Gross. Um, Bucks. <laughs> Browns at Rams. Oh, Rams. <laughs> I think that's the right pick. Uh, Chiefs at Packers. Chiefs. Bengals at Jaguars. The Jaguars. Nice. Sweet. Uh, every week, guys, you can find my picks uh, over at uh, fantasypoints.com and Tom Brawley's pick article. I think it drops on right before the Thursday night game on Thursdays. So check that out. Those are Steve's picks, though. Steve, we'll, we'll check back in with you, see how you did. Yeah. Um, 
I agreed with most of yours. So I think, I think say there were, there were a couple that, you know, I didn't feel as good about and it was more of a going off vibes pick. Yeah. But- <laughs> big time vibes pick but you uh at the right company for picking on vibes all right but no i i feel i i feel good about most of those especially some of those close matchups i think that they swing the way that i chose that's also why would i pay why would i bet against myself well, right, right. <laughs> all right guys that is gonna do it thank you for listening i don't know if you've gone to data.fantasypoints.com to check out the new QB coverage matchup tool, the wide receiver coverage matchup tool. I just want to, I'll tout the tool for one second before we get off. Last week, Calvin Ridley had our number one coverage matchup score. Guys, Calvin Ridley has underperformed this year pretty much the entire season minus a game or two. A lot of people reached out to me and said, Brett, how's it possible you have Calvin Ridley with the best coverage matchup score in the tool? I just don't see how that's possible. And then Calvin Ridley, one Calvin Ridley goes for five five catches, what, 89 yards and a tutty, um, outperformed pretty much his projection by pretty much everybody in the industry. So the tool is not going to help with projections necessarily, but it will help you find an edge with matchups is what I believe. So go to data.fantasypoints.com, check out that tool, sign up for a subscription today. It's still ridiculously marked down because we're way too generous. You will not regret it. No. And that's it. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. 